0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive.
2: Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Keith Hoffman. He is Chief Executive Officer and Founder at Engager Brands. He's also formerly with Prohibitive Media where he was COO and co-founder. We're gonna talk a little bit about that as well. And we're gonna talk to him about what's going on in the cannabis space, what it really takes to create a brand. I think this is a a fascinating and really, really important part of the cannabis industry right now is how we develop trusted, recognized brands. I think as most people know, the world has kind of been focused on products and THC levels and things like that. But as we move into a more kind of consumer-focused industry here and really kind of figuring out how people choose their products build relationships with their products brands are going to become hugely important so we're going to talk a little bit about that and, and also as other experiences and, and insights that he sees going on in the cannabis space so with that kiev welcome to the program
3: thanks so much bruce I, I appreciate you having me on it's a pleasure to have you here
2: so before we kind of dive into what's going on with with your work now what's uh let's do a little bit of background and kind of history and how you got into cannabis give us the story
3: sure so i started my career in New York City working in the music industry. And I was one of the people focused on the what's next, the Wild Wild West, the digital music scene. So I helped launch the Apple iTunes Music Store and all the early music services. And so I had a front row seat for what happens when there's a really disruptive technology and a lot of different you know new paradigms that are being created and helped build the Sony... BMG business when I took it over at when I was at BMG originally it was under a million in revenue by the time I left it was 250 million in revenue got to see a lot of interesting things there that actually uh, has prepared me quite well uh, for the, for the cannabis industry from there I moved out to to LA to start working on a lot of my own companies founded my first company it was a social media platform for events Then I created an agency. Uh, And when I was sitting around with a bunch of other entrepreneurs, this was probably back in 2014 now, we were all kind of thinking and talking about, well, what is going to be the next big thing? And we all said cannabis. And so what did that mean? And three of us ended up founding a company called Prohibited Media, which we launched in 2015. And that was one of the first websites, the prohibited.com website, and then the the video platform that we created, the video content. Uh, We created the first multi-platform network for professional cannabis content. And our goal from day one was to really professionalize the cannabis content, the cannabis branding. Uh, We eventually spun off and had an agency. We worked on over 60 different brand projects. And then uh, towards the end of the, my time there, we started to focus more in-house on creating our own house of brands. And so I spun off in uh, the beginning of 2020 to create Engager Brands to focus on what I see as a really big opportunity to attack a white space in the industry around building brands focused on really under, underserved and over-indexing lifestyle demographics that, our cannabis consumers. Yeah, yeah, exciting.
2: Let's go back to Sony to transition from Sony to prohibited. What were the things that you were able to transfer from, you know, your Sony experience into prohibited and what were the things that maybe didn't transfer so well, you know, as you got into cannabis?
3: The things that definitely transferred the best were the ability to work in the gray and the, and the unknowns. Because at the time back then, you know, what do you mean people just want you know a single file. What do you mean people are taking the music and ripping it from their CDs and then sharing it And you know for me what what all of that represented was the single greatest opportunity that the music industry had, which was like look at all this look at all this pent-up demand that we haven't been serving and so figuring out how to navigate the waters. Um, also you know starting to figure out you know which business models you wanted to get behind. And which partners made sense uh, to support that were going to help build, build those uh, those business models together. And so where I think a lot of that really kind of overlaid into cannabis was that, you know, what what we saw in particular with with California and I'm, I'm based here in L.A. now uh, we are really at the epicenter of a lot of what's been going on with the cannabis industry. You know, obviously with the the medical legalization having been a part uh, of things for, you know, 20 plus years now, well, things really changed quite a bit when, you know, adult use came about. But the regulations weren't really clear in a lot of areas. And as a result, there was a lot of this kind of, again, similar feelings, just wild, Wild West was out there. And it's like, okay, what can you do? What can't you do? And it's just, I think the ability to be flexible, right, is, is I mean, it's critical in any industry but in the cannabis industry in particular, where literally the rules
2: somewhat contortionist yeah
3: yeah the rules are literally changing like every other day practically you know whether you're talking about on a local level, a municipality level, a state level, a federal level, international level you know and that's that's just talking about on on the, the government side of things you know not to mention what's happening. When you have to deal with all of the hurdles of oh well, how do you actually advertise? You know your brands, right? Yeah. Um, all the hurdles of of you know the ever shifting landscape of oh well, what is considered to be okay right now on all these different flat- platforms, and what will keep me from getting kicked off of any of them? And uh, those those rules aren't they're much less clear than the rules, at least that you get from the government.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, much more opaque, but, 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 you know, I think it's just the ability, you know, we, we had to pivot so many different times around figuring out new business models and, and meeting consumer demands. And let's face it at the end of the day, the one thing that I think the music industry took a big lesson from, because in my early days there, there was a big focus on trying to put that genie back in the bottle, Right. And at the end of the day, the consumer is going to win. <laughs> and <laughs> The consumer, pretty loud and clear, was like, you know, we don't want plastic discs, right, with with 16 mm-hmm. tracks on them for, for $18. We want the flexibility to consume music and a lot of other differences. And eventually the music industry did come around to that. But, you know, I think that's where, where some of the growing pains that we're going through right now are around, you know, what do the consumers want? And I think overwhelmingly what we're seeing is that, The consumers do want brands, you know, they want to know what brands they can trust for what different purposes and, and they want brands that are consistent and brands that they can find everywhere. And so we're still in such the nascent days here. It's just, it's a really, it's a really fun and interesting time. So I do feel that so much of my, my history working on those crazy early digital music days have set me up for the tools that I need to uh, navigate these, you know, ever-changing waters here in the cannabis industry. Yeah,
2: yeah. Let's just briefly talk about prohibited in the sense of what what did you learn there? What were your takeaways that you've been able to, you know, kind of apply or build on or learn from as you've moved uh, with the new business?
3: One of the first things is that when you're an early mover, we used to say, uh, you know, we, we would take the arrows in the front end and in the back because we were, you know, literally out there paving the way, doing things that we, you know, what can we do? What can't we do? What kind of content can we create? And then, um, you know, being early it is is definitely a challenge. So one of our biggest challenges, quite honestly, was just educating the cannabis industry as to what the importance was of having professional quality video content. You know, back then, you know, in two thousand fifteen, it was like, oh, my buddy's got an iPhone; he can just shoot shoot a video for me. You know, mm-hmm. and why should I have to pay? you this for you know for your videos and you know it was just a lot of a lot of education and so we were very early so i would consider you know i've heard a lot of different you know that was considered 1.0 or 2.0 i kind of consider it 1.0 era we kind of got to ride the crazy rise of the, the canadian public markets All the crazy valuations, you know, we were we were fortunate enough to have raised over the course of our uh, history, 25 million in funding over over six years of being in existence. And then what we saw was in 2019, when the when the bottom fell out of the Canadian public markets and all that funny money dried up, all the companies that were kind of left were like, oh, well, which companies actually have, have an actual business model, you know? <laughs> which companies are actually producing, what brands are actually authentic and meaningful. And so, you know, what I learned primarily from the early prohibited days was that, you know, and this is actually something that I think is, is analogous to what I learned also in the early days of, of, BMG and Sony were mm-hmm. that the first movers don't always win and yeah. that who you think are going to be the big players in the early days don't necessarily end up being like, for instance, you know, Spotify didn't, wasn't an early mover, you know, in, in the, yeah. the digital music space, but they ended up being the big winner. So what I feel right now is coming out of the, the crash of, of 2019. And then obviously the double whammy of then going straight into a pandemic what we're seeing now is the 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 rise of the 2.0 and the winners that come out of this next next phase are going to be the spotify's of the cannabis industry
2: yeah i mean we talk about first mover advantage second mover advantage is is there any anything that you look for in the industry or the situation that tells you whether or not that first or second position is going to be the preferable position? Is there any kind of structural or kind of dynamics that that give you kind of indicators that it might be better to be in one position
3: or the other? One thing that I've I've learned early on, I think I'm now on my sixth startup. Yeah. The biggest factor that influences the success of your business that you have literally zero control over is timing. And and so you can have the best idea in the world, but if you're if you're a couple of years too early, then it doesn't even matter. And if you have a, cu- a couple of years too late, then it it probably doesn't matter either, unless you're able to really bring something um, a little bit differentiated to the mix that will kind of put you above and beyond. So I, I don't necessarily know if I, if you have a choice whether or not you're a first or second yeah. mover, right? So yeah. uh, you know you've got your opportunity when you're really passionate and excited about an idea and a way that you can um, take advantage of a market opportunity. And like, honestly, when we first did Prohibited, like we thought that timing was right. Right. Cause at the time mm-hmm. in 2015, it was like, okay, um, well, we've got a, uh, we've got an election coming up the way things are, are looking, you know, it's probably going to be, Even though it's a candidate that's not necessarily the biggest fan of cannabis, it's probably going to be a a Democrat, and that's going to move things along on the federal level much more quickly. Well, obviously, that didn't happen, and things on the political front and on the federal level didn't evolve a whole lot during those four years, and as a result, you know, even when you, you know, it seems like the stars are aligned for you to be, you know, have, have the market timed you know, you'll get, you'll get thrown a curveball. you yeah. know? So I, I hope that answered the question, but it was, uh, uh yeah. it, it's, it's one that kind of fascinates me of like, you know, you don't really choose to be a first or a second mover.
2: <laughs> exactly. And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes it's, it's only after the fact that you're going to see the landscape that way. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. Let's talk a little bit about brands, because I think that's a, a really interesting facet of the cannabis industry. Before we talk about cannabis, look, what does a brand mean to you? Or when you are kind of thinking about brands or conceptualizing brands, what is it that you're actually talking about and why is it important?
3: So for me, you know, having built brands in multiple industries, in the music industry, and in also I've had a stint in the video game industry, mm-hmm. it's really creating trust and an authentic relationship with a targeted consumer demographic, and if you can build that trust and you build a brand that your core demo will just follow from you know whatever path you end up taking them on as long as you stay authentic to them, then you've got a customer for life. And you know you've seen so many brands in the history of, you know, you know i, I I'm a big Steve Jobs. Fan or a big Richard Branson fan. I mean, they built incredible brands that people were just incredibly loyal to because they they were consistent, they they were authentic, and they really meant something. And people feel like they're part of a community, right? By uh, and and it's really speaking to their to their to their people to their tribe. And so for me, that's that's what's really lacking in in the cannabis industry is is an emotional and authentic connection to an audience. Um, I'd say that, you know, maybe the top two, there's two to 5% of the current brands out there right now in the cannabis industry that do that, but all the rest don't. Right.
2: Any, 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 anyone you want to mention? I'm just kind of curious what you're seeing out there is in terms of a well branded cannabis brand.
3: I think the the leader at this point has to be cookies when it comes to, you know, cannabis product brand. they, And I believe that the reason for that is because they're coming from an authentic place. You know, the founder of the company, Burner, is a, you know, he's a he's a rapper, he's a but he didn't build the brand around him him being a rapper. He built the brand around his his love of cannabis and how cannabis has helped him as a creator, as a part of that community. And he's also Latino. And I think there's a big part of that 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 kind of ties into it. And they they were really smart, you know. They built their brand from the ground up. They used a lot of of, of the tricks and the, of the trade that that we'll go into a little bit later to help build that authentic connection into their community. And now I think they're being really smart about how they're starting to expand into other 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 states outside of California, which is where they got their start. So I'd say Cookies is probably the one that I would call out. Another one that's just coming from a completely different angle that uh, I think is interesting is a brand called Dosist. They've been around now for a while, and they create the the dosed um, vape pens that are very consumer friendly, and they're focusing on much more of the, you know, I guess more of the 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 housewife, you know, market. Like I, you know, they have a store here in California on Avakiti that's very akin to an apple store right it's very clean it's very inviting it's very friendly they're very educational and it's like hey here's what this is and here's how this is going to help enhance your life and so i think those are two examples coming at the different angles that i would call out as doing it the right way and doing it in a way that these brands will mean something in at all 50 states and throughout the world when they decide to roll out there as well.
2: And what makes cannabis kind of a difficult industry from a brand point of view? I mean, what what have you kind of noticed as being kind of challenges about cannabis?
3: Well, we probably don't have enough time on this particular (laughs) episode to go through all of the challenges. The the top two or three. (laughs) I would say the top two or three are obviously just the regulatory situation, you know, the fact that you can't, There's no interstate commerce, you know, that's, it's very difficult to build and create a brand on a national level right now because of that. So I think that's, you know, that's obviously one big one. And then when you, when you get down into the more state by state level, I'd still say that one of the biggest challenges as a brand is the supply chain. It's still pretty nascent. It's not a hundred percent reliable yet. It's getting better and better. So you're really reliant on your partners to be able to provide a consistent experience and those partners aren't always in business tomorrow you know unfortunately so uh or aren't as reliable as they should be so to me those are the two real big ones and then you know on the the more on the the advertising and marketing front i'd say the, the biggest challenge is just how you can build your brand from a, from a marketing perspective. You know, I've seen back, back before things kind of went South, uh, as I mentioned with the, with the money in the industry back in 2019, there were a lot of big splash hires in like 2018, early 2019 from, you know, traditional industries, big CMOs coming into, to work in this industry. And, uh, not many of them lasted more than six to nine months because they just, I think just left the industry screaming because, you know, their toolkit doesn't, doesn't work, you know, (laughs) like all the things that they could do to build their brands, you know, from other industries don't work the same way in cannabis. So fall flat. Yeah. So those would be the big three.
2: Yeah. And so let's talk about engage your brands. I mean, what, give us some more insights in terms of what your thinking was, why spin this off? Why, you know, focus on creating brands. What, what was the thinking there?
3: Yes. So the opportunity that I saw was that, as I said before, there were hundreds and hundreds of, of cannabis brands out there, but most of them were being built backwards, you know, in my opinion, and, and, and actually backwards. And then if you follow, you know, any other industry on how, you know, a product comes to market. And what I mean by backwards is that they were typically created by cultivators or manufacturers that had amazing products that they needed to put on shelves. And in order to put on a shelf, they needed to brand. And so typically what happened is, you know, a logo would get slapped on and these brands would go out onto the shelves and they would often sell because, you know, the people still want their cannabis products, but those brands don't really mean anything, you know, at the end of the day. And so I saw an opportunity to build brands focusing on authentically connecting to lifestyles where cannabis consumption over indexes. But that have been really underserved, and build these brands from within the community with the perspective of we're only going to put products in the market that make sense for that community, and focus consumer first. And if you do that, and if you pick audiences that expand into other states and other territories, you know that was the other approach that I really wanted to take with Engager Brands was. The long game approach of we're still in the very early, early stages of this industry. And I truly believe this is going to end up being an international, you know, a global industry that will be looking for global brands. And yeah. so I saw the opportunity to do this and I basically brought in my former entertainment and music industry experience for our initial you know, set of brands, which we're focusing on. Uh, music genres that hadn't been served you know so for us it's it's just an opportunity for us to incubate these brands here in California and then basically repeat create our SOPs and then repeat in other states in other in other countries and we're already making inroads in a lot of different places a lot of in inbra- a lot of inbound Inquiries like, hey, we love your brands. Can you bring them here? And that's already really validating to be to be hearing that. Because we haven't even started that that process yet <laughs> of actively looking to expand out. But yeah, that's that's why I spun off. I also really wanted to just focus on being able to leverage a lot of the opportunities around non-traditional marketing. And when I say non-traditional marketing for for cannabis, you know, one of the things that we're doing a lot around or focusing around activating at music festivals, at concerts, different live cultural events, implementing influencers. And sometimes those influencers are bands, and sometimes they're just influencers that have have a real meaning within that audience. And letting those become part of the experiences and doing it in a way where what i've f- I found quite a bit having worked in this industry now for as long as i have is that a lot of the cannabis industry is really good at kind of marketing to themselves you know and speaking within <laughs> yeah. sort of this bubble that you know you you have no trouble finding a lot of different great cra- cannabis brands at cannabis events but you don't see too many of them at non-cannabis events yeah. and so you know, I saw that as also an opportunity. So it's kind of marrying like my my two you know worlds of experience and taking advantage of an opportunity that's out there, because quite frankly, Bruce, you could take you could take a, a dartboard out and throw a dart and around the dartboard, dartboard, have all the different underserved audiences that, that this industry could be focusing on. And. So yeah, that's that's that was the impetus for for us to spin off in, in 2020, and, and now brings us into 2021. Yeah, and where um,
2: I guess what what have you achieved so far? What's what kind of the status of things? What are you hoping to do in the next uh, year or two? Give us a sense of progress. Yes,
3: yeah, so we have one of our key brands uh, is called Heavy Grass, and it's focused on the hard rock heavy metal lifestyle, and we have been in market now for well we've been in market we were in market in 2019 and then you know when i was talking about the supply chain issues so our distributor uh at the end of 2019 decided to change their business focus and only focus on their in-house brands and then so we got stuck going into the pandemic without a distributor and It was great if you were in market during the pandemic, because, you know, cannabis was an essential industry, then you were golden. But if Mm -hmm. you were not, then you (laughs) had to sit on the sidelines. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you were SOL. And so we then had to re-kind of focus the brand. Also, it allowed us to start to incubate some new brands. But we've been in market now with Heavy Grass. It's, It's a It's a it's a value brand. It's a flower brand. We refer to it often as the Jack Daniels of Weed. It's just a, you know, no nonsense, high THC, but low price product that we're now in over 60 different doors. And we have our first collab, which is another interesting part of our model, which is that, you know, we create these brands a lot of companies that want to create brands and they try to create brands around a celebrity and having come out of the music industry i know how dangerous that is (laughs) because one is look artists are are, they're creatives they get so excited about something that you will think that they're going to focus every second of their day on promoting (laughs) your brand when it launches and the reality is that maybe you'll get something when it first comes out but the chances of that kind of continuing over time are very very rare and then and then you just also are at the risk of that particular artist like doing something bad right and just completely mm-hmm. yeah. killing the brand right mm-hmm. and so from day one and we we experienced this with with prohibited as well when we created prohibited we had a lot of celebrities come that wanted to get involved with us very early on and we we actually said no we, we actually had some of them invest in our company which was kind of interesting Uh, you know including people like childish gambino uh, donald glover and and some others that were that wanted to get involved on on a deeper level but you know we wanted to create an umbrella brand that really meant something on its own and then bring in celebrities to support the brand so for heavy grass uh you know slipknot is one of the biggest heavy metal bands in the world they're probably the second biggest touring band in that scene behind Metallica right now. And the the creative force behind that band is um, an artist named Clown. And so we have Clown Cannabis, uh, which are these infused pre-rolls that that we rolled out. And Clown actually designed the packaging and they have been amazingly well-received. And we're gonna be doing a lot of promotion around both Clown Cannabis and all of our core uh, flower products at the Aftershock Festival in Sacramento, which is one of the biggest rock festivals in the world. it's This year it's four days, usually it's been three days. Metallica is actually headlining it this year. So that's what we're doing with, with Heavy Grass. We're super excited about how everything has lined up for us. We've been really growing at an incredible pace and that growth is going to accelerate now that we have the concert and festivals starting to now activate. So we kind of get that was the other kind of double whammy with our brands is because we do so much around live events. Obviously, COVID really impacted what we could even do during that time. So that's what we've got. And then we're, we're, we're going to be launching our second brand, which is around the rave and electronic dance music scene, the EDM scene at Hall of Flowers, and, uh, which is coming up next week uh, up in Santa Rosa. And that's going to be much more of a stronger, more of a concentrate-driven brand. And we have a really exciting infused pre-roll that is unlike any other that's in market today that I'm going to wait until Hall Flowers for us to do the official announcement. <laughs> and I'm not sure when this podcast is going to run. It may have actually already been announced by the time this comes out. But uh, it's uh, it's pretty exciting for us. And that's, again, it's another underserved Uh, demographic there's not a single brand out there right now focused on the uh, the rave scene and that's a hugely active scene so those are our first two brands we're incubating a couple of others they're not all around music but they're all around a lifestyle similar to music that people have a common interest and a common bond around and so that's what's what's going on right now and and we're Like I said, we're just looking forward to continuing to grow these in California and then uh, take these to other states. And I'm actually taking a trip to Colombia and to Mexico. We've got a lot of interest in Latin America for our brands as well, which I'm very bullish on. Uh, Latin America is a place to expand into.
2: Yeah, that's exciting. Keith, this been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Engager, what's the best way to get that information?
3: They can go to our website, which is uh, EngageYourBrands.com. And they can certainly reach out to me on LinkedIn. So, you know, I'm at LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Eve Huffman. Happy to hear from anyone that's interested in in branding, it's in the industry. And, you know, I'm just super jazzed for what's coming. Um, you know, we're, we're, like I said at the beginning, we're at the early stages of this industry still and the opportunity to be a part of bringing this this wonderful plant to audiences via trusted brands is something that I'm really excited for.
2: Excellent. Keep it a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Bruce. I had a, I had a blast and uh, I appreciate you having me on and I, thanks for everyone for listening.
2: That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes.